Hey, y'all. So Planned Parenthood asked me to show someone how I see them, like really see them. So this ad is dedicated to Kayla. I see how hard you've been working to get through law school. I see the way you care and how you continue to put your best foot forward. I see your tenacity, how smart you are, and your beauty inside and out, girl. I feel very lucky to get to see you, the real you. Planned Parenthood sees you too, and all of us, not as patients, but as people, deserving of understanding, compassionate, quality health care, and education. And they understand the importance of having access to that care so that you can define exactly where you're going. Visit www.bstein.org to learn more about how Planned Parenthood is here to see you become who you will be. That's www.bstein.org. Hey, y'all. You're listening to Damsels in Detroit, the podcast all about women from the city that are killing it in their industries. I'm your host, Evan Webb. Each week, I invite a damsel to come on and talk with me about their life, careers, and why Detroit girls do it better. Hey y'all, we're back. Another episode of Damsels in Detroit. This is episode 52. So we're going to get to 100 by the end of this year, maybe. We'll see. I don't know. Hopefully. But very excited for our conversation today. We are talking all about nutrition. um, And I'm sitting here with Samantha Barish. And I'm going to read a little bit about her and then we will get into our questions. So let's go. Samantha Barish is a registered dietitian and the owner of Tap Into Nutrition, a virtual nutrition counseling practice based in Detroit. Samantha is passionate about helping individuals cultivate a healthier relationship with food and their bodies, utilizing a non-diet, weight-inclusive, intuitive eating approach to support their journey as they ditch diet culture for good and tap into their nutrition to become their healthiest self. Hey, Samantha. Hello. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. I'm excited. We have so many questions, so we can just... Hop right on in so we can try to get through most, if not all of them. Sounds good. Okay, perfect. Okay, so first, what made you want to become a dietitian? That's a very specific (laughs) um, journey to go on. So what inspired that? Yeah, no, that's a a great question. Um, I've always been interested in food. Mm -hmm. I've always been interested in nutrition. Um, But I would say that it most strongly was influenced by... um, a preoccupation with my body growing up. Okay. Um, a preoccupation with thinness, with wanting to look a certain way, mm-hmm. with very much putting that on a pedestal. Um, and at that time, I thought I, I valued weight loss and I valued a thin body. And mm-hmm. I thought that that would be the most valuable thing that I could do as a career is to help people, specifically women, lose weight. Okay. Uh, and yeah, and we'll get into more about how that shifted over yes. over the years. Well, tell me how it shifted. First, I want to know, I mean, you kind of just said an important thing, like you were very preoccupied with body image, which I can't think of anyone at any point in their lives where they weren't. I mean, you always are like, oh, I could gain or I could lose or this could be more defined. I think even now, especially as we're, at least for me, I'm knocking on 30s door. So things have changed, things look a lot different, and I'm just kind of like, hmm, <laughs> what can I do differently? But, I mean, like, how how has your journey to, like, healthy eating and things, how has it shifted over the years, or what has changed? I guess the definition of what healthy is. So, you know, like most of us, society's told us that healthy is thin, right? Mm-hmm. 
if we're healthy, we're a certain weight, um, we're eating less, we're moving more, um, but it's so much more complex than that, right? Mm -hmm. And I think now more than ever, we see that mental health is just as important as physical health. Mm -hmm. And that was the big shift for me. Um, You know, I went to college and I very much struggled with anxiety and became very, I, I used um, the preoccupation with my body and what I was eating and over-exercising as a way to find control to my anxiety and just in, to life in general. And like it does for most people, going on, starting that journey um, made, made me spiral. Okay. Um, it just became such that preoccupation from growing up just turned into so much more than that. And I was very fixated on when I was working out and what I was eating and, you know, it takes over your mind Mm -hmm. and that, you know, that thinness and looking a certain way is all that's important to you. And, you know, I started to, so I, I graduated and I was very, I was, I was working in a hospital at the time and I, you know, as dietitians, we we do strongly believe in, and I'm going to put this in quotes, everything in moderation. Mm-hmm. You know, we know that weight loss doesn't solve everything. We never, no one really believes in, you know, restrictive diets and um, obsession and all of that. But to a certain extent, you know, we still focus a lot, especially um, in the early stages of being a dietitian on weight loss and how that's the most important part of being healthy. Mm-hmm. And as I've repaired my own relationship with food and with my body and coming to terms with what's the healthiest weight for me, I've found intuitive eating, mm-hmm. which we'll get all into today. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it really helped me um, make peace with food, make peace with my body, mm-hmm. find a healthy relationship with all foods, um, be able to eat a salad some days mm-hmm. and eat pizza another day yeah. and not feel shame or guilt over it. Um, being able to move my body in a fa- that fe- way that feels good, mm-hmm. um, not in a way that's punishing myself right. or making up for something I ate. Right. Um, so yeah, so that's 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 my journey. I think it's a lot of people's um, journey of you know going back and forth, and mm-hmm. so my goal now is to help others find that peace to let diet culture go to you know find that acceptance with food find that acceptance with their bodies yeah that's very important and you touched on some of the questions that I have (laughs) so we will get into that but first I want to know about like the training and education that goes into becoming a dietitian like are you technically a doctor are you like is it similar to a nursing program but what is that process like? Good question. Um, it's very similar to a nursing program. Okay. So we have um, we go through a four year bachelor's degree, mm-hmm. um, and it has to be an accredited bachelor's degree. Um, so I went to Michigan State. Oh, go green! Ah, go white! <laughs> and I um, got my bachelor's in science in dietetics from there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after there, I did a coordinated program at Wayne State which included a, I want to say it's a 1,200-hour oh, um, wow. yeah, internship. Um, and that's, you know, part of the schooling. So, mm-hmm. And that lasted about a year for me. And then after that, you have to sit for an exam. So you have to mm-hmm. take a registered exam. Um, 
once you pass that, you are a dietitian, um, and then you have to do hours every five years, okay. similar to like what a nurse would mm-hmm. have to do um, to keep your credential. Okay. Wow, doing twelve hundred hours in a year sounds very crazy. Oh, it's a full time job. Yeah. <laughs> Are you getting like pay for the internship, or it's like? Oh no, you're paying for it. Oh. Wow. wow, this is such a backwards system. Like, why is America like this? Because if you're going to go to school for that long, you literally cannot do anything else. You would think they would be like, here's some lunch money or something. Yeah, you yeah, you would you would think so. Right. Wow. Okay. Well, (laughs) shout out to you. You did it. (laughs) But it it also um, gives a lot of credit for that dietitian credential. Mm -hmm. And I have to stress the importance of getting your nutrition information Mm -hmm. from a dietitian. Right. So the word nutritionist, there's actually no um, education or background that you need to call yourself a nutritionist. Oh, okay. So like if tomorrow you wanted to start being a nutritionist, mm-hmm. like go for it. You could do it. That's crazy. And it's scary. Right. Yeah. Because that's when you're telling people what to put in their bodies and what's good for them. Like what if they have some type of like health like, what if they're a diabetic or something? <laughs> it's, you know, nit- nutrition is very, very complex. And, you know, our our training is very much, it's not rooted in weight loss. It's rooted in um, medical diagnoses and how we can manage those through nutrition in different ways. It's, it's not like a wellness degree by mm-hmm. any means. And I think that's important for people to understand when they are seeking out nutrition advice. Okay. Now, I was looking for a nutritionist maybe like two months or so ago, but I had the hardest time trying to find them. Like when I was type when I was searching my insurance portal, nothing came up. And I'm like, I don't understand. <laughs> I was like, what do I are they like under a different name. So I was like looking up all of these different things and nothing was coming up. Even on Google, like some of these people, I'm like, you don't look legitimate to me. So why is it so difficult to find you all? Like, where are you hiding? You know, it's complex in Michigan because it's hard. We don't have licensure here. Mm -hmm. So even though I am registered, I'm not licensed in the state of Michigan. Okay. Um, And, you know, that's just like a, hopefully... Through the, through the government, we'll be able to get that mm-hmm. soon. That'll get passed. Um, but I, because of that, I think there's a lot of limitations with insurance companies. Mm-hmm. So it is just about impossible as a dietitian in Michigan to be able to accept insurance. Okay. And which is such a shame. Yeah. It really is. Um, and hopefully with time, that'll change. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love to be able to offer insurance. Right. You know, the amount... We could serve so many more people. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this should be something that insurance companies value. I and agree. I think with time it will happen, but I think a lot of dietitians are afraid to come into this space because of that. Okay. So it's, you know, it's a lot safer to stay in more salaried positions mm-hmm. where, you know, you're guaranteed that insurance is going to pay it, right? Yeah. But to go off into private practice, you really do have to kind of just anticipate private pay mm-hmm. and you know I, I do see that people value it though they really do they value you know finding good nutrition advice and knowing that you know if they paying for it is going to last them a lifetime mm-hmm. crazy 
Um, but thank you for shining light on that because I really had no idea. I, I figured that most didn't take insurance. And I didn't know if it was because, like, oh, the service isn't, like, super expensive as opposed to, like, if you need to go have surgery. Um, but I was like, why can't I find anyone on Blue Cross? <laughs> like, yeah. I don't get it. It's, it's similar to, like, um, therapists, too. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so hard to find a therapist that accepts insurance, right? Our health system is jacked up. <laughs> um, okay, so intuitive eating can you well i'll tell you what i think it means Ooh, can I like you tell that. me if i'm wrong okay. okay so i'm thinking intuitive and like intuition mm-hmm. okay so your intuition is telling you like this is what you need to do or this is how you feel so i'm assuming intuitive eating means only eating when you're actually hungry ah am i right or wrong uh i'm gonna say you're wrong okay only so you're close, okay. you're, you know, intuitive eating. Yes, you're, you're listening to your body. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's very much honoring your body. Um, and specifically to what you said, only eating when you're hungry. Yes, sure. Mm-hmm. Only eating when you're hungry, but also being realistic mm-hmm. and also not shaming yourself okay. or, um, talking poorly to yourself because you maybe didn't eat when you're hungry or maybe you ate birthday cake because it was there and you're celebrating your grandma's birthday Mm -hmm. or maybe you got brunch with a friend and you're not super hungry but you're really enjoying this company so you're gonna you're gonna eat at that point Mm -hmm. or maybe you're not really hungry but those bag of chips just look good and you want to know what they taste like yeah so it's it's kind of just um it's listening to your body but and also not associating shame or morality or rules with your eating. So okay. it's very much getting in touch with that hungerfulness cues. So yes, you're totally on the right track. Okay. Just taking away the rule part of it. So any like extremes like do this or don't do that very much take away from the premise of intuitive eating. Okay. Well, that's a better definition than what I <laughs> You were so close. <laughs> My foot was in the door. I you just were. wasn't all the way in there. You were. Um, okay, so a lot of people our age, I think, are starting to do away with the notion of, like, you know, this is what my body needs to look like. Um, just kind of being more body, body positive and, like, focusing on the fact that, like, I think especially this past year, my body got me through a pandemic. I didn't yes. get sick. I have all of my limbs. I'm still pretty healthy. Um, And I know that on your website, you say that you take the healthy at every size approach, which I feel like is very important. It puts things in a more realistic perspective, right? Because everybody can't be 130 pounds. Like, I think that genetically, (laughs) it's just not possible. Some people don't want to be that size. It's just not possible for everyone to be at that, that, that weight, especially, like, if you take things like height and, you know, maybe like muscle mass into account. So can you talk more about that approach and how you implement that into your sessions? Sure. So the health at every size approach is basically saying that you can be healthy at every size, Mm -hmm. right? So to your point, body diversity naturally exists. You know, we we all aren't meant to be a size four. Mm Mm-hmm. We're not all meant to have the same physique. We could all eat the same. We could move our bodies the same, mm-hmm. and we still wouldn't look the same. Right. 
So the health at every size approach to nutrition specifically, um, or just to, to health in general, is saying that you can be healthy no matter what your size is. You can eat well, you can move your body in a way that feels good to you, and you can have you know a healthy mindset towards yourself and nutrition at any stage or any size. Mm-hmm. You don't have to lose weight for yourself to be healthy. Um, yeah, so. Yeah. Now, when you were in school, did they kind of like throw the BMI chart stuff in your face a lot? Like, was that kind of their base for like, this is how you need to measure people's success if they're trying to lose or gain? Well, first, I, I just want to say that BMI is crap, right? Yes. Uh, <laughs> the worst thing ever created. And t- also, BMI was based on a white European population. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's messed up on so many levels, right? Yeah. So, I th- you know, I'm, I, I'm pretty confident that in my education, we, we spoke about BMI, but it wasn't a huge, um, I think even my professors knew that it was very flawed, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it definitely is still used as an indicator of health. Mm-hmm. I think there's a huge issue with that. Right. Um, I, I don't believe that we should be using BMI as an indicator of health. Um, the research behind it is very, um, limited. Okay. And so I, I, I think in time we'll move away from it. Mm-hmm. Um, but right now, um, our, our society just does not want to lose it. Yeah. Um, yeah, because people use it if, like, you want to get, like, a certain type of surgery. It's like, well, you need to be within this range or something. I'm like, this this is so limiting and so counterproductive. <laughs> like, it, it is. Yeah, it brainwashes you because you're like, oh, I'm 5'4", I should be. And I'm like, if I weighed however much, I think it's, like, 140 or something. I don't know what the what the weight is supposed to be. I would look sick. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody will probably be trying to take me somewhere else. Like, you need you need help. <laughs> and kudos to you for recognizing that. Because, yes. you know, a lot of people don't. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it, absolutely. You know, and it's so much more empowering to know that you can become healthy and you can eat better mm-hmm. and you can exercise regardless of what your body does. Mm-hmm. You know, Weight loss is unrealistic because it's not sustainable. Mm-hmm. It's not set up to be sustainable. So even if you do lose weight, it's very, very likely that you're going to w- gain that weight back mm-hmm. and then some. And that's just not helping you be healthier right. at all. You know, there's such a stigma that if you're not losing weight, you're not doing it right. Mm-hmm. And it's very unmotivating and it doesn't want you to, it, it doesn't, help you keep those healthy behaviors when you're only doing it for that physique change. Mm-hmm. And then when that physique change doesn't happen, it's like, well, why am I doing this? Right. And that, that is so flawed. Mm-hmm. My mind is always like, oh, I lost five pounds. I can eat whatever I want. And then, like you said, it's not sustainable because then you go into this cycle of like working out, eating better. Well, I'm just going to binge on all of these things that probably made me gain weight or gain some pounds in the first place, and I'm just going to start this whole thing over. So it's it's a sick cycle. Yeah. <laughs> it's not good. That The dieting cycle, it's, you know, it 
it starts with restriction, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you restrict for only so long because your body doesn't want to be in a famine. Mm-hmm. Your body wants you to eat. Right. So at a certain point, that restriction becomes unbearable, right? And then maybe you're overeating or maybe mm-hmm. that turns into a binge. And then there's shame and then there's guilt and then you restrict again. And it's just this never-ending cycle. Mm-hmm. And none of it is healthy. Yeah. None of it is balance none of it is taking your mental health into account Mm -hmm. so by finding that healthy relationship with all foods you're able to stop that cycle because we we talk so much about people who are in larger bodies being less healthy and how weight loss is you know the the cure for all of that but what we're not talking about is the effects of weight cycling on our bodies and how harmful that is to our organs yeah so weight cycling would be like fluctuation of weight like i don't know what the what the threshold would be would it be like 10 20 pounds or could it even be as small as like three or five you know, you know three or five is i mean that's a bowel movement right mm-hmm. so <laughs> i'm a dietitian that's not a weird thing to say but you're right though yeah uh, so three to five pounds that's that's nothing mm-hmm. i would say that's that's just your body going through through its stages, I'm talking more of like 20 to 30 pounds maybe, which sounds, you know, like a lot, but there is a lot of people who weight cycle their entire lives, Mm -hmm. consistently go up and down. And, you know, there's a lot of, there's a notion to it that, you know, their motivation lacked or they stopped caring Mm -hmm. or um, they just didn't have the same level of um I don't know what the word I'm looking for is um you know motivation just motivation to look or discipline to look a certain way um and that's just so flawed you know that dieting doesn't work because it doesn't work it has Mm -hmm. nothing to do with the dieter it's it's a flawed system yeah so great segue because my next question was about some of these diets or fads that we're seeing now. I remember being younger and people talking about the Atkins diet or like what was the other one? South South Beach. South Beach, yeah. Um, and now I hear a lot about like paleo and keto and low carb. So do you feel like any of those I'll call them lifestyle changes? No, I'll call it a diet because that's what it is. <laughs> any <you>. of those <laughs> any of those diets, are they effective for anyone or do you just feel like we need to just dead them all, just don't even mention any of those things. So, you know, you know, I've, I've spoken on how diets don't work, right? Mm-hmm. So 90%, um, the, the figure is somewhere around 90% of diets fail. Okay. So that means that 90% of people either regain the weight that they lost mm-hmm. or go on to, um, and if, if they don't, then that 10% is either going on to develop an eating disorder or some kind of genetic change, so be it. Sure, there are some people who are able to um, lose weight and keep it off, quote-unquote, healthfully. I want to see what they're doing at home, but whatever, healthfully, (laughs) sure. (laughs) Um, So with that being said, I... It's just, it's not realistic. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, even if you are sticking to it, you know, quote unquote, sticking to it, 
there's going to be times in your life where you're going to want to stray away from it. Mm-hmm. You know, there's going to be events. And if that's stressing you out and causing you anxiety or feeling like you're morally wrong because you can't stick to it, I I just, I, I can't get behind them. Anything that's telling you what you need to be eating mm-hmm. or telling you when you should be eating or how much you should be eating, that's just more and more taking you away from what your body wants you to do and mm-hmm. what your body's telling you to do. So does that answer your question? It does. Okay. So everybody that's on keto, get off. <laughs> it's not working. And you know what? If, if you, if keto is what feels good for you right now, mm-hmm. that's okay. Mm-hmm. But when it fails you, don't feel bad for right. it. You know, it's when you want to find that healthier relationship with food and open yourself back up to, you know, introducing different foods back into your diet that mm-hmm. you might have eliminated. Yes, it's going to be a process because, you know, you've created such distrust with your body mm-hmm. during that time period while you were on keto. Um, so it's doable. But in time, you know, the more that we do those diets, the more that we listen to these food rules and different diet plans, the less in touch we become with our body over time. And that just gets worse and worse. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that. Um, so I think a lot of people are on these different health journeys right now. I know I started working out consistently last fall and I've been seeing some changes. Now it's interesting because I haven't seen a lot of like changes on the scale, but when I look at pictures, I'm like, oh, you look different than you did some months ago. So I'm like proud of that. So I know that people say in order to see like different changes with like muscle definition and things like that, it's like 80, 20. So 80% of what you're eating, 20% of exercise. So do you agree with that? And if so, what changes should one make to their eating habits to start seeing some definition or losses or gains? So in short, no, I don't necessarily um, agree to that. You know, I think that we can, we all could move our bodies the same way. We could all eat the same way Mm -hmm. and we'd we'd still look different, right? Mm -hmm. We don't. And to have a significant change um, in your body requires a level of restriction that is typically not sustainable. Mm-hmm. And when it's not sustainable, it's it's just going to lead to that that weight fluctuation, right? Um, so I would I would invite those people to think about the different ways that eating better and exercising make them feel. Mm-hmm. You know, just just feeling better in your skin, having more confidence, stronger self-efficacy. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe you're sleeping better. Maybe you have more energy to play with your kids. Mm-hmm. Thinking about all the other ways that eating well and moving your body serve you. Mm-hmm. And not only is that more effective um, in that exact moment, but by taking the pressure off having changes in your physique and your body, you're able to keep those behaviors, keep keep them up and be able to continue them because it's not just based on a number or mm-hmm. based on what you look like. Because I think we know um, that looks, they fade. They do. They absolutely <laughs> fade. Your body is going to change as, we, as you age no matter what. Mm-hmm. So by looking at the different ways that you can incorporate a healthier lifestyle, 
that serve you that have nothing to do with your body changing in significant ways, Mm -hmm. that's how you can be healthier over time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I started not to buy a scale, and then I was like, I mean, I guess I should, but I, like, tugged it, like, it's buried underneath some stuff. Sometimes when I think about it, I'm like, let's see. But then when I get on it, I'm like, you should just give this because <laughs> like, it's not doing anything. Like, Absolutely. It's not reflective of, like, what you've been doing already. Like, I feel a lot better. Like, I didn't really, I was not moving as much as I should have last year. We were in the house. We were working. I was, like, sitting on the floor, sitting on the couch, like, for eight to ten hours at a time. And then when we started, me and my best friend started working out, I was like, oh, you are like stiff. (laughs) Yeah, and it feels good, right? It feels, especially when we've been in the house for a whole year, it Mm -hmm. feels good to move your body. Yeah, like in the moment when we're doing our sessions, I'm like, well, I'm ready to go home. But then afterwards, I'm like, you did that. (laughs) You made it through. You didn't die. And that was like. I love that. Yeah. But I think that's, that's a good approach to take, like looking at it differently. Um, So you offer one-on-one virtual sessions as well as one free discovery call. So can you talk about what the discovery call entails and then what clients can expect from their one-on-ones? Sure. So the discovery call is just a brief 15 to 20-minute conversation um, talking a little bit about what healthy means to you, Mm -hmm. um, what you're looking for, what your goals are making sure that they align with what I can provide, Mm -hmm. making sure that I can support that. Um, And so, you know, going over maybe your history with dieting, um, your history with your body, with nutrition, (coughs) and how we could work together to make sure that we're a good fit. And then if we we decide to move into one-on-one sessions, um, so I would send over an intake form, Um, where I get the client's history. Um, I want to dive deep. I want to know, you know, what food was like for you growing up, Mm -hmm. um, what your history of dieting was, what's your current relationship with food. Um, And then once I have a strong understanding of where you're at, Mm -hmm. um, we do a lot of unlearning. So we do a lot of um, dismantling diet culture, Mm -hmm. um, breaking down old stories, um, thinking about those years of diets, then taking it individualized, looking at what they're eating in a day, Mm -hmm. um, making sure that they're eating adequately, making sure that they understand what a balanced plate looks like. Um, You know, we spoke about binging is often occurring after a level of restriction. So Mm -hmm. if they are experiencing binges, making sure that they're not being restrictive earlier on in the day. And, you know, a lot of people don't realize that there's a certain level of restriction in their day. Mm -hmm. And once we're able to add more balanced meals throughout the day and snacks and do it, of course, in a very slow um, and um, approachable process, Mm -hmm. I guess, then they're able to oftentimes – step away from that binging or overeating um, mm-hmm. that often comes with dieting yeah. or years of dieting. Um, but we're also, you know, reincorporating maybe some fear foods that they have. You know, a lot of people have foods that they won't keep in the house. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people have foods that they, 
you know, only eat on the weekends, let's say. Right. Um, so we're reintroducing those back into their diet as well so that they can see them more neutrally. Mm-hmm. Um, and with that neutrality, when we take them off the pedestal, they're able to see them in a more um, approachable way and they're less exciting and, you know, you stop binging on it, which mm-hmm. is pretty cool. <clears throat> um, we discuss hunger fullness. We talk about, um, you know, what f- foods feel good in their bodies, what foods don't feel good in their bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's super individualized, but it's a very liberalizing approach of honoring self-care and your mental health just as much as your physical health. Mm-hmm. When you just said having restriction in your day, it made me think of um, intermittent fasting. Because uh, um, I've seen some people do that. Like, I don't have my first meal until 12 or so, what, however it works. And I'm like, but what if you're hungry when you wake up? Yeah. <laughs> what do you do? And <laughs> so, yeah, that just made me think of that. Yeah. I don't think I could do I mean, I think I do it by accident sometimes because I'm not a morning person. So when I wake up, it takes me a minute to like get my bearings together right <laughs> and by the time I come to sometimes I feel like it's about noon but I know what how I feel when I don't eat in the morning and I feel like I'm gonna throw up so I'm like do you you just ignore that feeling you just yeah you just let it go until noon I can't that leads to such distrust with your body too mm-hmm. makes you so at war with your body yeah it's it, that's not self-care Mm-mm. that's for sure so I know you said you can't take insurance. So if you're able to share, how much do you charge for sessions? And do you work on like a sliding scale or do you have like payment plans? Um, but wanted to know more about that. So I like to offer um, my my sessions in more of a package. Okay. So that we're able to, um, you know, have a, more of a plan set in place. Mm-hmm. Um, I absolutely do offer a sliding scale, and if a package is too much to do it once, then I am more than willing to go session by session. Okay. Um, I don't think that someone shouldn't be, I don't think that money should be a barrier mm-hmm. for this work. I think that this should be accessible for everyone. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Do you come up with meal plans for your clients, or is it more suggestion-based? So do you say, like, these are your goals. These are kind of the things you should stick to. But if you don't, it's okay. <laughs> How does it work? Oh, that's a great question. Um, so, you know, we're looking at what they're eating in a day. And we're making suggestions and um, swap outs and finding a nutrition that works for them. But we're doing it together. It's a very individualized approach. Um, I want to know what foods you enjoy. I want to know what foods you don't like, Mm -hmm. when you like to have your largest meal, what you like to snack on. Um, So it's very, we're working together, um, but we absolutely can have some kind of structure. Mm -hmm. Um, But in no way am I telling you, you know, exact portion sizes or exact things, do eat this or don't eat that, Mm -hmm. because that would be taking away from the whole process of listening to your body. Right. And the goal of working with me is that in time, you're able to navigate that on your own and you're able to listen to your body and know what feels good and know what you need to eat. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I know we talked about your definition of healthy eating. So what would you say is the first step to becoming 
your version of a healthy eater. <laughs> ah, the first step of becoming an intuitive eater. Mm-hmm. Um, just letting go of the diet rules. You know, questioning those rules that you might have from your childhood. Maybe, you know, you were told never to eat past a certain time. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you were told that bread is bad. Mm-hmm. So starting to question those rules that you have um, often relied on or maybe listened to, uh, maybe unfollowing people on Instagram that promote things mm-hmm. that make you not feel good about yourself. Yeah. Um, you know, making it feel good for you, you know, just just starting starting there, really, really just unfollowing people on Instagram, start to follow people that look like you, Mm -hmm. start to follow people that practice self-care, that practice nutrition, that practice physical activity in a way that makes you feel good, in the way that makes you feel motivated. Mm -hmm. You know, this should all be empowering. This should all make you feel excited about your health. This shouldn't be a shameful or, you know, scary endeavor. Mm -hmm. I am wondering, like, how many male clients you have, if any, because I'm not going to say they don't experience, like, body image issues, because I'm sure they do. Maybe they just internalize it, but I just feel like women, we just, we just struggle with this so much. You know what? Men are such, they're much more um, in tune with their bodies. They really are. They're much more naturally intuitive eaters. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and I think that has a lot to do with the decreased pressure they have on themselves. As women, we have so much more pressure Mm -hmm. to look a certain way, to try another diet. Um, and men don't, and don't get me wrong, you know, body image concerns and eating concerns and fixation with physique is definitely occurring in, you know, with males, but I would, yeah, it's so much more prominent in Mm -hmm. women and what I do find is a lot of women talking to their husbands or talking to the men in their life about the journey that they're going on with intuitive eating. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe you find that when uh, you got ice cream in the house, you can't stop eating it, but mm-hmm. your husband has one bowl and he's good. And right. you're like, how can you do that? <laughs> like, how do you not even mm-hmm. want more of that? Like, how are... So men are very much more naturally intuitive eaters because of that decreased pressure and mm-hmm. stigma that they experienced through their lifetime, for sure. Yeah. Society, I tell you. <laughs> Crazy. <clears throat> um, so what would you say, I have like two more before we get into our listener questions, <clears throat> but what would you say is the biggest myth about healthy eating? Or something like, either the biggest myth or something that you learned in school that like blew your mind Ooh, okay um you know i'd say the biggest myth would be that the lower calorie item is the healthier item okay that low calorie is better for you Mm -hmm. um because you know when we're looking at health we're looking at nutrition right we're looking at vitamins we're looking at minerals Mm -hmm. we're looking at what the food can provide us and energy calories are energy mm-hmm. and the energy that we take in um is what makes us be able to 
carry out our days, right? Mm -hmm. And being able to get good energy and good calories through, you know, foods like avocado and nuts and, you know, fruits and whole grains, all of those things provide so much nutrition. Mm -hmm. And I think there's been such a, such a stigma that for it to be healthy, it has to be low calorie. And I would challenge that to say, find something that has good nutrition in it. Okay. Not the lowest calorie option. Well, that just changed my mind because I thought that low calorie meant better automatically. And that if it was lower in calorie, it would be lower in sodium, lower in carbohydrates, lower in all of these other things. Like, oh, like this is fine. You can have that. But I guess not. Well, you know, not necessarily always, right? Mm -hmm. Definitely not in um, in terms of sodium. You know, sodium can hide anywhere, right? Yeah. <clears throat> but I would say that, you know, the, the, the low, don't be afraid of something being high calorie if it has good nutrition in mm-hmm. it. You know, that's going to, that's going to serve you in more ways than just food. Okay. You know, we want, we want our diets to be nutritious. We want them to be varied. We want, you know, all different types of colors and whole mm-hmm. grains. And by limiting that to just being low calorie, I mean, you're going to end up with like some lettuce and some crap dressing. (laughs) Some olive oil. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So what would you say is your, well, I'm not going to say guilty pleasure because we don't, we don't say that. Ah, I love it. So what is a snack or meal that you feel like you cannot get enough of? Ooh. Um... I'm a big ice cream person. Okay. I love my ice cream. But I also really, if, if you know, if there was one food that I would have to eat for the rest of my life and not get sick of, it mm-hmm. would be a good salad. Okay. I am the queen of making a good, self-proclaimed queen salad. of making a good <laughs> salad. But my salads are um, very, there's a lot of texture mm-hmm. and different elements to them. Um Lots of different flavors, um, which I think make them so much more satisfying and enjoyable. But give me some salad mm-hmm. and a little bit of ice cream after, and okay. I'm set. Yeah. I feel like when people say they don't like salad, it's because they're not they're not putting the effort in. Mm-hmm. Because you need to have like for me, I love a salad with some salmon on it. Ooh, the dressing has to be good, and I like a nice like vinaigrette situation. I don't need a lot of creamy, I don't need ranch. No, we don't need that. But like salmon, well, my favorite salad is from Central Kitchen downtown. It's the baby kale and Caesar. And it's so simple. It just has like a, like a mustardy, like a Dijon vinaigrette, okay. shallots, like a couple of rye croutons and salmon. And that's it. And it's so good. Yum. So good. Yum. But some people just put lettuce on on the plate and then dressing and they're like I don't like salad yeah well that's why I wouldn't like salad either if I ate that (laughs) like you have iceberg lettuce first of all let's start there right no okay well I have some listener questions um so in some of these you probably already answered so I'll try not to repeat um but Lid Mun from Twitter says is there a healthy diet that still includes eating meat um absolutely yeah you know I don't I think I've made it clear here that I, you know, I don't believe in restriction, right? Mm -hmm. But if you're looking at it from a sustainability um, aspect or a humanitarian aspect, sure, limit your meat Mm -hmm. um, if that's what feels good for you. 
Um, but I, I would absolutely say that you can have a healthful, balanced diet that in- includes meat. Mm-hmm. Um, I eat meat. I, you know, I don't find anything. You know, it's it's a great source of protein. Mm-hmm. It helps us stay full. Yeah. It serves our muscles. Um, and it's good. It is good. <laughs> um, how can you include more fruits and veggies in a meal? And then what's your go-to snack food? Ooh. How can I incorpor- incorporate more fruits and veggies in a meal? Smoothies are a really good way to mm-hmm. do that. Um, don't be afraid to add when I say anything, anything to your smoothie. Okay. Um, that's such an easy way to sneak in vegetables, especially if you're working with kids. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you're not limited to kale and spinach. You can throw in broccoli. Yeah. You can throw in cauliflower. Um, you, there's so many different things that you can throw into a smoothie and not taste it, okay. which is really cool. Fruits as well. Um, but don't be afraid. You know, experiment. If you're making pasta... And, you know, think of ways that you can elevate the pasta with some vegetables. Um, if you're eating breakfast, think about ways that you can add a fruit in there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that leads me to uh, the next question is favorite snack, right? Mm-hmm. My favorite snack would be a good charcuterie board. Yes. That, ooh. Yes. Hands down. But, you know, it's Speaking my. my language. <laughs> I love it. I love cheese. <laughs> but it's my favorite snack because a there's more el- there's more than one element to it, mm-hmm. and there's one more than one food group to it. Yeah, I'm getting some fats from the cheese. Mm-hmm. I'm getting some carbs from the crackers, mm-hmm. and you know there's the fruit aspect and the nuts. It's it's so sustaining mm-hmm. and satisfying, and it's not in a way that makes me feel depleted or groggy afterwards it's very much energizing yeah i have made myself a charcuterie board for dinner before and i was like i'm good snack <laughs> snack plate meals are a thing they are absolutely it's an adult lunchable it, yeah it's good i love it um jamie and wads and you kind of touched on this but she had a question specifically about dairy um, so just how you feel about cutting out food groups, um, specifically dairy, I can probably guess what you're going to say because you said, depending on like how a food makes you feel. So for me, I love ice cream also, but I had ice cream earlier this week and I immediately regretted it because my stomach was like, what did you do that for? And I was like, wow, I just didn't think we would get to <laughs> this point. <laughs> so yeah. How should she go about that? Yeah. So You know, what's also interesting is when I start to work with clients, a lot of them are having some kind of GI distress Mm -hmm. or something's going on and they can't pinpoint it, right? And, you know, sometimes it is dairy. Yeah. But before you become an intuitive eater, it's almost like you don't even care. You don't even care that 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 dairy is bothering you. I'm going to do it again. Yeah. (laughs) But but that's such a – and sure, we don't always have to – you know, feel the best after we eat. Mm-hmm. I get that. But when you truly are eating in a way that feels nourishing and feels in touch with your body, you don't even want the dairy. Mm-hmm. And that's the best part of, of working with a client who has some type of intolerance is we're able to, sure, maybe dairy isn't the best thing for them, but we can provide substitutions. Mm-hmm. We can make their diets still feel sustaining and fun and enjoyable 
without it making you feel crappy. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, some people can't tolerate dairy. It's a, it's a thing. I'm not one of them, yeah. so I can't relate. <laughs> so it depends for me. It's like I can't do, like, I just used to drink. Y'all don't think I'm gross. I just used to drink milk. Like, I just drink it. If I was to do that now, I think somebody would have to take me to the hospital. <laughs> like, but I don't feel like that when I eat cheat. Like, if I have charcuterie, I don't feel like that. But if I have a milkshake, I can already anticipate, like, all right, you're probably not going to feel the best. So I don't know what it is. There is something. Okay. So there's more lactose in milk and soft and hard cheeses. I'm sorry. Okay. So I lied. Okay. So... There's more lactose in milk and ice cream and those types of foods. Mm -hmm. But in things like hard cheeses, Mm -hmm. there's less, um, there's less lactose in it. So sometimes you can tolerate more cheese than you could milk or ice cream. Okay. Well, that explains. Because I'm like. Goat cheese is lactose free. I so. have tried, okay, what is your way for eating goat cheese? Because every time, it's that little twang on the back end mm-hmm. when you swallow it. I can't. <laughs> I feel like it's one of those acquired tastes. Mm-hmm. You just got to keep, get just used to keep it. Doing it. I, I really like goat cheese with beets. Okay. Goat cheese and beets. Oof. I've heard honey. Yeah, that's a good way to yeah, cut I'm that tang. Again. Maybe when I do my next charcuterie. There you go. <laughs> Um, Danielle L from Instagram, she says, what vitamins should be supplemented with a vegan diet? Oh gosh. You know, I'm not too, um, B vitamins, definitely. Um, iron, um, I'm not overly, um, it's, veganism isn't necessarily my expertise. Mm-hmm. Um, I I do know that there are vitamins, though, that you do need to supplement with. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I want to say that the primary ones are B, B vitamins and iron. Okay. Uh, I'm currently dealing with an iron deficiency issue, and it is, like, ruining, not ruining my life, but it's it's very uncomfortable. Um, I've had, like, some burning sensations in my mouth, which, like, I didn't know what the heck was going on. Went to the doctor, and they were like, yep, this is why. So still experiencing that because apparently the supplements I was taking weren't working. So I've been trying to, like, eat, like, leafy greens, and I don't know. I just don't think it's helping. My mom's like, you need to let me make you some liver. And I'm like, I don't, <laughs> don't want to eat that. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, trying to figure out what to do. Uh, well, we can talk a little offline. How about that? Yes, please. <laughs> Um, are there any foods to avoid for people or any foods for people with autoimmune diseases to avoid? Or does it depend on what it is? You know, that's so individualized as well. Mm-hmm. There's talk about, you know, what foods are more inflammatory than others. Um, it's, you know, I, I hate to keep saying that it's individualized, yeah. but it is, mm-hmm. you know. And that that can feel limiting, but it's also empowering too. Mm-hmm. Because you can figure out what works best for you. Because when you Google the stuff, you'll be you'll you'll be eating ice chips and water, right? right? <laughs> you'll eliminate everything. Um, because you know we're all so different. Mm-hmm. So being able to talk to a dietitian and be able to work through that together mm-hmm. is always the best approach. Yeah. Okay, Danielle. That just means you need to DM her. Come on, Danielle. <laughs> 
Okay, Ari XV says, when should people speak to a nutritionist? Um, and then, oh, wait, hold on. Okay, yeah, some of the other ones you already answered. So when should people go see a nutritionist? Is there like a pinpoint moment or like an aha moment where you're like, you probably should talk to a professional? Yeah, I, you know, if you're struggling with any kind of discomfort in your body, um, I would, don't wait, mm-hmm. you know, honor yourself, honor, you know, get, make that your self-care by asking for help mm-hmm. and getting to the bottom of it. We all have to eat. We all right. have to eat three meals a day. And if you're experiencing a lot of discomfort, you deserve the help. You deserve to get to the bottom of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but more specifically with the work that I do, um, if you're finding yourself walking into the kitchen and feeling confused or scared or uncomfortable by your hunger and not knowing what to eat mm-hmm. or constantly feeling bad after eating a meal or feeling stressed when you go out to eat with friends, you know, g- repair that relationship with food. We all deserve to see food neutrally. We all deserve to have a healthy relationship with food. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we all have to eat and it should be an enjoyable experience. Yeah. Okay. Thanks y'all for those listener questions. I have three more questions for you and then we're done. Um, so one, are you accepting new clients? And if so, how does one go about setting up an appointment with you? Yes, I absolutely am accepting new clients. And the best way to do that is to either get started by, you can DM me on Instagram, um, or if you go over to my website, there are links to get set up on a discovery call. Um, It will send you to my email. Shoot me over an email um, saying that you are interested and we will get something set up, have a brief conversation, figure out what your goals are, and then make sure that we're a good fit. Um, what does it mean for you to be a damsel in Detroit? Ah, that is, that's good. That's your best question yet, Thanks. right? Oh. <laughs> that is the finisher. Some people have their answers like, I'm ready. And then other people are like, let me think. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, I, I mean, you know, I would say empowering others, mm-hmm. specifically women. Um, and more specifically for myself, teaching teaching them how to see food in a way that feels good, not shameful, um, letting them know that their worth doesn't isn't defined by their pant size, know that they're more than a body. Mm-hmm. Um, so all from a place of encouragement and love and self-acceptance. I, you know, especially after the year we've had, you know, we just got to keep encouraging each other and uplifting each other and building each other up. Life's too short. Yeah. And life's too short to not eat what you want, right? Yes. <laughs> that is it. That is it. <laughs> so lastly, how can people stay connected with you? Um, you can shout out your socials, your email, your website. How do they get in touch? Yeah. Find me on Instagram. Um, my handle is tap into nutrition. Um, my website is tapintonutrition.net, or you can email me at samantha at tapintonutrition.net. Yay. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. 
I learned a ton and I'm definitely going to try to like make sure and be conscious of like the language I'm using because I think some of like the cheat days and like, oh, I feel bad because or I ate bad today. It's not productive. So shame does not belong in our food. Shame does not belong. Um, We only get one body. So it's like, why spend all that time being critical? We could just, I don't know, just be healthy and work at it. <laughs> mic drop. Yes, <laughs> mic drop. Um, well, thanks y'all for listening. Thanks for sending in those questions. As always, I want you to remember that Detroit girls do it better, and we'll be back next week.